What, you didn't like my making up goofy reasons why you married your wife? Um, it's more that I don't think I'd ever be so organized as to convene a committee. <laughs> Just saying. Of course you wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not you in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, more or less. Yeah. There doesn't have to be a huge amount of thought behind it. Well, uh, no, and there really wasn't, actually. Well, there was, but there wasn't. It was kind of a... <laughs> <laughs> there was, but there see, wasn't. But see, there was, see but there wasn't. that's a Kenneth explanation. And this is why we get along. Because it is also a me explanation. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So welcome back. This is episode 44 of Spam, 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 Humbug. And as always, a, uh, a big hearty thank you to our Patreon co-producers, Seth, Johnny, Dominic, Chris, Violation, Adam, Eric, Thorwan, Cody, Pascal, and Neil. On the show tonight, we have a little bit of a different roster. Um, Linguistic Dragon, however, is still around. Hello, hello. And we are joined, rejoined, by Golem Dragon. Good evening, everyone. And joining us for the first time is Deathblade Dragon. Oh, that's me. Hey, everybody. So, before we launch into topic, a couple of things. Want to welcome a few new Ultima Dragons to the Facebook group this week. So we've got Krister, um, Greed, who I think is... Anyways... Nickname, obviously. Lloyd, Andrea, Andreas, Janet, and a different Lloyd. So, welcome and splut to all. Does anyone else get a, get a kick out of the fact that, you know, whoever is running at Ultima Dragons on Twitter is like spot on retweeting everything that Cinnabon or various um, pie companies put out and, you know, like instantly a dragon joke on that? Yeah. Yeah, it is it's pretty glorious. fantastic. They're actually spot on with retweeting basically everything Ultima Dragons related. Actually, yes. Yeah, whoever's behind that account has a really good follow list and catches just about everything. So, Indeed. They're on the ball. All right. So, uh, again, before we launch into topic, what has everyone been up to this week? Linguistic, what you been doing? I have been shipping away at writer's block. It's um, been very frustrating this past week. I've been sitting down meaning to get something written and then nothing happens. Oh no. Is this for the blog or is this a different project? Uh, um, a little bit of both. I actually have a, um, a guest blog post for bio break going up. Um, it should be up by the time this goes live. If it's supposed to go up on the uh, 31st, so next Tuesday. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, so that, that got done and then I kind of drained myself off of that. Um, and I've been hammering my head against an ultimate journeys post for quite some time now, and it's finally starting to come together. So hopefully that'll be up soon. Awesome. Uh, as to the bio break, um, if it goes live before this goes live, then by all means, shoot me a link. We'll do. I'll, uh, make sure it ends up in the show notes. Okie dokie. How about you, Golem? What you been up to? 
I have been storyboarding and writing all of the reworks of the Cult of Spears lore for Shroud of the Avatar. Oh yeah, I've seen I've seen your draft post. Yeah, after some requests for more lore and stuff like that, and encouragement from mostly fellow dragons, more so than anyone else, I went ahead and gave it a shot. And I know Frank is doing a couple of things. I think one or two things as well with the Cult of Spears logo, with Chris's permission well, of course. on top of it. So nice. That should all be coming up at some point down the line. I don't know what his timeline's ever like. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm not surprised that the dragons have been particularly supportive because you know, <laughs> when have the dragons ever not liked fanfic. In fact, weren't no, it's we kind uh, of my general feeling. Yeah. I mean, weren't we just doing that this morning in the UDIC uh, Discord channel? Yeah, we were reacting about doing uh, Ultima 7 fan fiction. Oh, yeah, yeah, and uh, Slashing, Slashing Dragon and I were going back and forth about Ultima 6 fan fiction over Twitter a couple days oh. ago, too. Cool. All right. And how about you, Deathblade? What you been up to all week? Mostly working, really, but... Um... For a conversation we all had earlier, I decided to fire up Bioshock this, this evening, which I've started before but didn't get very far into. So I'm redoing that. Cool. And um, for the first time ever, I got to try out the uh, the QA server for Shroud before R31 Live. So that was kind of neat, seeing oh, all the changes. Nice. So I haven't done much with R30 since then, but it was cool spinning up the QA <laughs> server and seeing what that was like. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Ah, well, what have I been up to? Let me see. I mean, in addition to work and editing the last episode and, um, it's just been a really absurdly busy week, actually. Um, I mean, it was, I know in the U S it's a holiday on Monday Uh, in Canada. We actually had Victoria day this past Monday. So that was our long weekend. And, um, so I had that day off. And we did a bunch of stuff. And then I actually took Wednesday off as well because I had to submit some building plans and um, do a bunch of other stuff. And my wife was actually um, volunteering at our daughter's school. So I was, you know, uh, at home with the younger two. We didn't stay at home very long, though. We went to um, a nearby playground. And then I was basically holding court, teaching all the kids there about how to build sandcastles and do which that was fun. Um, I haven't built that many sandcastles And it also looked years. fantastic. Yeah, it was, well, it was neat, right? Because like, you know, um, like, I mean, some of the other kids had brought molds for, you know, building different sand structures. So we were using those. We were all kind of sharing. And then of course, um, kidlet number two, my daughter is just like, I want to build a bridge. You know, I've, I've built a moat around my castle. I want to build a bridge over it. I'm like, uh, well, um, hey, pass me that cup. And, you know, so you put the cup down in the moat and then you pile up wet sand over top of it and then you kind of shape it a little bit and then you pull the cup out and you're left with an archway. So, hey, look, bridge, done. Um, awesome. Yeah, that is actually how that happened. So, um, and then the trees, the trees were also fun too, but you have to get the sand really, really wet. So it was kind of, <laughs> that was more of a confluence of things because of course there was another family there. Um, and I swear the dad is, is a football player for the Edmonton Eskimos, although I 
couldn't recognize him to tell you his name, but he just had that bearing and he was on the phone for a while, like talking about football uh, and he was in a special teams jersey. You know, he just, he looked like a footballer. (laughs) (laughs) But when they were rounding up their kids to go, um, because him and his wife had their their youngins there, um, I heard him asking like, oh, did y'all bring water? Uh, And they didn't, but I have like, two flats of water in the back of my vehicle. So I run, grab one, offer them some water bottles. And then when one of the little girls asks, well, Hey, can we make, do you know how to make sand trees? And I'm like, I do. So it's like, Oh good. Well, I have this water here, which is what I need because you have to get the sand kind of really quite wet. And then you pick up a handful of it and let's just dribble out the bottom of your fingers and it stacks up to make the trees. So, uh, on the gaming front, um, still playing new Super Mario Brothers for Wii. Um, still kind of teaching my kids the ropes of that. I'm not the best teacher for it because I'm terrible at it, but they're slowly learning <laughs> even so. Well, being uh, terrible at it is half the fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wish uh, I had my original Nintendo still for that very reason. <laughs> it's, you know, it's funny. I have different challenges when I'm playing with either of them. You know, kidlet number two, she's very hesitant and she hasn't quite completely grasped the controls. So for her, the task, the challenge to me is more staying alive long enough and killing enough of the other monsters that she can kind of just explore and start to flourish in the game. With Kidlet number one, the challenge to me is to just keep up and not like get too far off screen and die. Because um, she's just a speed <laughs> demon. She just runs right ahead. <laughs> Kid beats all. <laughs> so... Uh, other stuff. Knights of the Old Republic for Android. Still working my way through that. Um, briefly tried out Battleborn Tap on iOS. Didn't particularly care for it. Um, but two other iOS games that I did pick up. Um, Uncharted Fortune Hunter, which is kind of a tie-in game for um, Uncharted 4. But it's uh, it's an iOS puzzler game. You know, you have to... <clears throat> navigate Drake through um, different puzzles. And there's like, you know, dart traps and other things that'll kill him if you screw up. So um, it's it's actually really quite fun. And I mean, I'm not going to be able to take advantage of any of the tie-ins with Uncharted 4 because you earn um, like bonus items in Uncharted 4 by playing this game. But, you know, it's still just a fun game on its own merits. And then the other one I just picked up today... Uh, was called Warp Shift, and it is by Deep Silver Fish Labs. Um, so these are the same people. Well, this is the same studio that made um, Galaxy on Fire 2, although a lot of the Galaxy on Fire team have since left it. But Fish Labs, I mean, they're still pretty high pedigree developer. And Warp Shift is, it's another puzzle game um, where you're basically rearranging 3D rooms to allow this little girl to find her way to the exit portal and it's uh interesting it's another quite fun game so um uncharted is available on ios and android and i have it on both um warp shift is only on ios that i have seen so and then on the ultima return front uh we've been trying to ramp that back up again And I was checking out and actually bought the, um, so there's a, there's a developer called 3D Forge who makes 3D assets for Unity. And I bought the village exteriors and interiors kits that they produce. 
And the reason I did that is because, like, I mean, the Village Exteriors kit, which isn't entirely accurate in its name because it actually contains um, models for a lot more than just, like, medieval village-type structures. Um, but it basically contains, you know, the models for the exteriors of medieval-themed buildings, okay? The interior kit, as the name implies, contains models for the interiors of medieval-themed buildings. And so you can actually use these kits separately in the sense that, you know, I can have my exteriors on this map and then I can have my interiors on this map. Or if you want, the two can actually work together. So you can have the interiors and the exteriors on the same map. Um, they, they, they can actually be linked up that way. So I have to admit, though, that uh, one of the main reasons I decided to buy the kits was because I found their free demo asset, which uh, was, they called the Sword and Shield Inn. Um, so it was an evil <laughs> hotel slash taverny thing, but I'm just like that name, like the Ultima Codex Forum, under trafficked though it is, has been known by that name for years now. So I'm just like, how can I not? How can I not do this? So it's too perfect. It's a sign. Exactly. And then I also bought, cause it was on sale, um, Gaia, which is a really powerful terrain creation utility for unity. So at some point I'm going to have to start, you know, experimenting with that, laying out little bits of terrain, create a few levels for our coder to then figure out how to make NP schedules work. Um, but anyways, has anyone else joined the stream? Nope. Okay. I see Gradia left a couple of notes, but he is not here right now. So, so what are we talking about tonight? Well, uh, and this topic actually got punted um, at least once. This was initially going to be something we discussed uh, a couple of three weeks ago. So the news itself is going to be a little bit old. Um, but I did notice, and where was this? Where did I actually see this on? I saw this on link. Come on, tell me what. <laughs> Fine, be that way. Okay, so I saw the article on Game Revolution. Um, Battlefield 1. So the next entry in the Battlefield series, it's a World War One setting, at least on PC, will be digital only. There, There won't be physical game boxes released for Battlefield 1. Game Revolution kind of framed this interestingly. I mean, for them, they kind of framed it as the death knell of PC boxes, saying, you know, somewhere around the time that Valve's Steam platform began to actually be good in about 2007, my, this is the author himself talking, my PC box collection stopped growing in size. Instead of heading to a retailer, with my weight harness equipped, ready to rescue another box, I found remarkable convenience in simply clicking a few buttons and then waiting for a download to finish. The days of the physical PC box were numbered. For the past few years, PC game boxes have usually only contained a disc that prompts a download, and it's really no different than purchasing the game digitally anyways. Now, even the PC game box-friendly franchise that is Battlefield is completely doing away with a physical existence. EA will only allow digital orders of Battlefield 1's PC version, which is as close to an obituary for PC game boxes as you're going to find. 
Now, um, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I agree that this is like the final nail in the coffin or the obituary of PC game boxes, but it is pretty significant that it's a title like Battlefield, which, you know, traditionally sells many millions of copies. Um, so, I mean, I do think that, you know, there is something to it. I don't have current stats for PC, unfortunately. Um, but I seem to recall hearing somewhere that most that like now the majority of PC game sales are actually done digitally. And certainly, I mean, it's not just steam, right? You know, EA has their origin storefront. Um, and GOG is basically all digital, of course. Uh, another very excellent storefront. Ubisoft has Uplay. Um, there's definitely been a really pronounced move to digital on the PC front for various reasons. I mean, it's an advantage to a lot of the publishers because, of course, they can uh, put more sophisticated DRM schemes in place. Cuts production costs too, though, right? I mean, that was, I was always just about a to say, big yeah. thing for Origin, you know, was the fact that, <laughs> well, it's like, you know, one of the reasons that they had to cut as much content from, say, Ultima 8 as they did, because it was to the point where, you know, they were not going to even be able to break even putting all those games in boxes with as many discs as it would require and such and such. So, you know, cutting out that significant production cost of putting together game boxes and sending them out to stores is going to be, uh, I mean, it's a huge savings for, for most companies for sure. And realistically, I mean, I don't know the last time any of y'all walked into GameStop or insert game store of your choice up here. It's called EB games. The PC EB game games section to be is, a thing here too. Yeah. The PC game section is real small. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yeah, it's one shelf, and you're lucky to have maybe 10 games. Yeah, pretty much. Maybe? Basically. I was pretty shocked one day when I walked into Walmart and saw Divinity, Divinity Original Sin on the shelf. Hey, yes! there you go. Well, I was yeah, just about Wal- to say. Walmart has more physical PC games, even Target does, than a Best Buy or an EB Games. It's like, why would a department store have more and part of me thinks it's it could be the fact that those stores have the ability to put retails down a little lower than more the game focused ones maybe um i was gonna say that you know i mean if i need to buy a pc game in a box i got better luck finding a selection at the used game stores (laughs) yeah um of which there are which are basically non-existent around here no there's there's one here where i live and then there's one near where I work. So, um, which granted is about a 45 minute drive apart. So, you know, it's not like there's (laughs) a plethora of them, but certainly there are a few. Um, but you know what? I got to admit, like, (laughs) not that I've really trolled the physical boxes because outside of like, maybe now contemplating rebuilding my Ultima physical box collection, Or, you know, like, I mean, I do have the collector's edition of Reckoning and a couple of other things here and there. And I think I'm at a tier where I get uh, a physical, well, I think I pledged initially at a physical tier for Shroud of the Avatar. But practically speaking, 
shelf space is kind of at a premium and <laughs> in, in my house. And uh, I've been buying games digitally for years now. You know, I'm definitely on, you know, if only by practice, if not necessarily by way of overall opinion, I'm on the side of the guy who wrote this article because, yeah, I've been buying games almost exclusively digitally for PC for years now, right? I still buy physical games for the Wii because it's a Wii. <laughs> <laughs> Um, That's kind of how it works. Well, I actually have, what was it? One of the articles here from when we first punted the topic back two years ago already, 92% of PC game sales were digital and it's gone up every year since. Jesus, is it that many? I knew it was a majority, but I didn't think it was that high. And what I find interesting is one particular company, Square Enix, has been very active putting out collector's editions uh the new hitman life is strange um the uh recent re-releases of a lot of final fantasy games uh, on steam they've had physical pc releases as well that they've been doing um both for pc and console but for most of those you have to order direct from them and hmm. so they can limit what their production is going to be. They can get tons of orders. Okay. Okay. We have enough to do this much of a run. We can do that. Right. I mean, it's a much more limited thing, but they're not getting rid of it. They've square Enix has admitted. They know how much fans like the art books, the soundtracks, the trinkets. Yeah. And that is actually what I was just thinking too, is that, you know, where physical still reigns supreme in the PC realm is in that bonus content, which I mean, for us, you know, having grown up playing Ultima is the stuff that we had hoped we'd always be able to take for granted, right? Well, of course, when I open this game, there's going to be a map and two manuals that are written in lore and blah, 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 you know, and a trinket and whatever feelies, right? Like, I mean, it's, there was a time when you basically took that for granted. I'm opening an Ultima game even before I open this box, I know what I can expect to find inside this box. Obviously, we saw that, you know, as as PC gaming evolved, we saw a lot of those things kind of fall by the wayside. So it's interesting now that where physical still exists for PC gaming, it's primarily now focused on the inclusion of those same things, right? And I mean, same with like the Kickstarter physical copies, right? <clears throat> cloth maps are a big deal for kickstarted RPGs. I'm sure you're going to pay 125 bucks for the box that it comes in, but you know, it's a big deal. Square Enix, the same thing. Fallout Pip-Boy edition, right? <laughs> oh um, yeah. Big box collectors on Facebook, which I know many of the dragons are in. We yep. all pretty much had squee moments when we saw the edition with the little mini nuke with the, <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> the pit boy where you could put our cell phone in, you know, all of those. It's like, ooh, want, want, want. I mean, I admitted publicly on one of our streams over there, I purposely bought multiples of the um, Nuka Cola, which was all it was is rebranded soda from a company, another company, no change but the label. And I still have one unopened up on the shelf because Fallout. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of course. 
it's had I taken into consideration what I could do with the Pip Boy add-on, I would have gotten that myself. But I was like, yeah, I don't need that. And then afterwards, I was like, yeah, I needed that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then we all regretted it after the fact when it sold out because the collector ones, all the stuff, the trinkets now, it's still digital sales. Yeah, they still ship it to it, but it's all still done digitally. It literally is all gone away. Yep. Um, I mean, <coughs> like I did, <laughs> I liked Reckoning so much. I bought like three copies of it. Uh, one of which is the collector's <laughs> edition. Um, and actually to be fair, the collector's edition this DVD. Is, this is me not being surprised. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, to be fair, actually the DVD that's in the box is a full installation disc. It's not just a front end for a download. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Like the doom that's game rare. that just came out. My dad bought the retail version of it because like, well, maybe they'll actually have the full thing on because the best internet he has is one megabyte per second download. Uh, nope. It's six gigs. It was all he got installed. There's another 50. He ouch. 52 uh. is the total. So He's kind of screwed. Ouch. Yeah. I mean, like, to be fair, like one disadvantage to installing Reckoning off of DVD is, I mean, I get the full game installed, right? But there's patches and and other stuff that, you know, still need to be pulled down or still should be pulled down, right? Like I can see another of the advantages of digital distribution and Steam does this remarkably well is that on the fly patching. I mean, we see that pretty much daily with Shroud of the Avatar for at least the first week after a new release goes live, right? Just, oh, yeah, look, Steam's downloading again. Yeah, Shroud of the Avatar, two gigabyte patch, whatever. Um, so, you know, whereas a DVD installation, it's locked in time, right? It's the version of the game that was submitted for DVD mastering. And if changes or improvements have been made to the game, obviously those will not be present on disc. So... That's one of the reasons why I like my Ultimate 8 CD-ROM is it's the pre-jump patch one. Oh. Oh, man. It's terrible to play. And I beat <laughs> it before that patch. <laughs> kind of pride for me. If I, I can say that's, that, that's a I can beat anything. Of, that's a mark of feeling masochistic. They just pop that in and off you go. Oh, I hate my life. I'm going to jump. Well, I have two um, Ultima 9 game boxes. Uh, one I bought and one my grandfather bought. Um, and he bought his before me. Uh, so the one that I bought is uh, patch version 1.18 and the one that he bought is not. So <laughs> um, if I, I mean, nowadays I own it through GOG, so I just install it through GOG. But for a while there, if I got the DVDs mixed up, it was... Kind of a, oh, crap. okay, yeah, I need the patch. Where's the patch? <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. Oh, this isn't working quite so good. Uh, hang on, patch. Where's the patch? <laughs> but uh, so, again, like, I mean, I, I think just for the ability to, yeah, patch, <laughs> to patch or like just add stuff on the fly. I mean, digital obviously reigns supreme there, and that's a, probably another key advantage of it in addition to, um, the other ways in which it obviously has allure for publishers, but, uh, 92%, my gosh, I did not think it was going to be that high, but I guess I shouldn't really be surprised. I will put that in discord here. Yeah. That, that has and to go in the show notes. Pop it in the show notes. Yeah. Cause gamer rent had that back in 
was a two-year-old article, but any well, other search is like, wow, it's amazing how much it keeps going up. I mean, yeah. just last year alone, PC was game sales was thirty-two billion. So if you figure even just ninety-two percent, yeah, good grief, billion. Wow, wow, yeah, exactly. Um, well, and then of course, I mean, the ultimate in all digital is of course apps, right? Mobile phone games. Oh yeah, there's that. Yeah. And last year, that was twenty-five billion. And console kind of fits right in between those two. Yep. Like it's so, electronic entertainment is such a massive industry now. It's just, I think it's bigger than TV kind of uh, than movies and music combined. Wouldn't surprise me one bit. Seems to be hearing that somewhere, but uh, yeah, I'm not really. <sighs> now you mentioned console, and I mean I alluded to this already with the uh, with the Wii. Um, but on console, physical does still seem to dominate, at least for the time being. Um, you know, unlike the, uh, and where was this article from now? I got to look, uh, this is NeoGAF actually. Okay. Unlike the PC market where the majority of sales are now digital, the, at least and now this is UK figures, but Console games still see physical maintain its high market share. Um, although in some cases, digital is getting larger. Minecraft seems to be leading the charge there. Uh, now, these stats are from March, uh, I think, 2015. So looking at Minecraft, 51.3% um, physical uh, and 48.7% digital. So, you know, nearly 50-50 there. Um but equally, Minecraft is really where, uh, well, with one caveat, Minecraft is really where you see the most pronounced um, performance of digital copies of the game. Uh, you know, stuff like well, Battlefield at the same Hardline. Time, it was the only way you could you can get it too. Is they've just never done a retail copy of Minecraft, to my knowledge. Well, the physical sales are coming from somewhere, so I don't know what that's about, but. Unless, but, like, the console version, they've released physical <clears throat> copies of it. You know what? I'll uh, have a look through EB Games next time I'm there. Battlefield Hardline, Dying Light, Grand Theft Auto, FIFA, Bloodborne, Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, Dragon Ball Xenoverse, mm. um, top performing console games, uh, UK, again, March 2015. Um, all very solidly physical sales, 60% or more. Now, Things changed a little bit in April because that's when Destiny came out. And Destiny is interesting because Destiny's physical sales were only 42.3% of its total sales. Destiny actually had more digital than physical. So I don't have any more recent figures than this, um, but I am wondering if Destiny might be the first of a few bellwethers indicating a shift towards digital distribution on the console side as well. Probably more on the Xbox than on the PlayStation, I think, because really, uh, we were actually just looking at this before the show. Um, 
you know, I can go to Best Buy today and I can buy a PlayStation 4 and the maximum hard drive capacity I'm coming out with is 500 gigabytes. Whereas there were several one terabyte configurations of the Xbox available. So, um, I don't know. We could maybe be seeing a shift towards um, more digital distribution on console, but figures are not available. So, but even then, I mean, like, again, I don't own an Xbox or uh, a PS4. I only own a Wii, but I mean, like, I know the Wii games I get with the exception of Skyward Sword, fairly simplistic. You open the box and there's a disc and like a one or two page reference sheet right? It's not like we're talking, um, there's a ton of feelies inside the case, right? I'm assuming it's fairly similar for, uh, games on the other consoles, but I can't really speak to that. Yeah. I have an Xbox and that's, that's been what I've noticed for everything. I've, I probably have equal amounts, digital and physical for the Xbox and it's all been, okay, here's the manual. It's really short. Here's the disc. That's it. I mean, like, I know you can get collector's editions, for, you know, the console versions of games as well. Um, I know those do sell, but yeah, I've never bought one, so I can't speak to those, but fair enough. every, everything else I bought in for Xbox, even like PS2, I used to have one of those. It was all just, here's a short manual here. Here's some other stuff you can buy. And then here's a CD and that's all or not a CD, but a DVD. Yeah. With my console stuff, I don't use my 360 or PS2 anymore, but my PS Vita, all of them, it's, 99% digital. I have two retail ones, a sort of art online game. Um, the, the most recent one they did lost song and the final fantasy 10 remaster. Everything else was digital. And it was just because pricing was such a good deal at the time. Money <laughs> was like, okay, Sony. Yes. I'll give you money. Yeah, there's there's definitely the other side of it is there's so many sales on digital copies that you just don't find for physical ones. So it's you just end up buying all your games digitally because because it's so much cheaper than to easier. It's more cost effective. Yeah. Yeah, and once Sony lowered the cost for the special storage cards for the Vita, it became definitely more cost effective. Just okay, I'm gonna have a nice Uber large card load on whatever games I'm playing and just let it sit there. And it's this nice handy little thing I can take with me wherever. You know, I do that with all my GOG games. Every, it's uh, no wonder tablets have blossomed into this massive thing. It's They basically take what we had with Nintendo and Sony's handhelds and just took it to a even better level with even better hardware and low cost. It does... There is one concern that kind of emerges from it though, because I mean, one of the real advantages of a full physical copy is that you can install it and play it at any time. You know, I have Ultima 9 on DVD. Origin Systems no longer exists, but I can still install and play that game. Not that Steam seems to be in any danger of going belly up. Not that EA seems to be in any danger of going belly up. But suppose that one of these two things does happen. The games in my origin library, the games in my Steam library, what becomes of them? This is one of the reasons that I say, um, like with my GOG games, 
Not that I'm really worried because GOG kind of pride themselves on being DRM free. So the amount of communication back to their servers that is necessary is minimal. But it is to say that, you know what? Every time I buy a game on GOG, I download the installer and it goes on my backup drives. Because yeah, I'm guilty of not? that too. It's just out of paranoia of you know, what if. Yeah. It's the same thing with Humble Bundle. I just keep the installs for those few games that I bought on there. It's like, uh, just in case. Well, it's GOG's own yeah, fault. Yeah, I've never read through I've never read through all of Steam's terms of service, so I can't answer the question as to what happens if they go out, but that would be kind of a scary thought. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the case of me downloading the GOG installers, it's really GOG's own fault because they did that stupid prank like, what, a decade ago now or almost? Maybe half a decade only, where they were just like, nope, that's it. We're closing up shop. Oh, I and remember that. Like, what? <laughs> then it's just like, no, and no, everybody like, no don't do everything. this to me. <laughs> Yeah, not one of the better pranks, uh, right up there with Google's mic drop. Uh. <laughs> I must have missed that one. Oh, you hadn't heard about the mic drop? Or you hadn't heard oh, about man. GOG? Actually, either one. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, quick tutorial. Okay, so for this last April Fool's, <laughs> Google briefly pushed a new feature to Gmail called the mic drop. So basically what would happen is that beside your send button, a new button, the mic drop would appear. And what it would do is it would, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody, it would append an image of the King minion doing the mic drop to whatever message you were sending. And it would then um, basically remove you from that conversation. So any further emails in that email chain, you would not see. Yeah. That's you know, about so how it went. Much. Um, now that sounds like a really great idea at first, but obviously beyond the surface sounds really terrible. Yeah. I can't remember. I think it was like destructoid or someone who like photoshopped a, um, <laughs> who photoshopped a, uh, a sample message of like, you know, someone, offering, you know, that I'm really sorry to hear about your dad's passing. Let me know if there's anything that I can do. Um, and then mic drop. The mic drop. <laughs> oh. <laughs> just or like, there was the story too of a guy who emailed his boss something and then hit that and his boss ended up up at him about it. Oh boy. <laughs> and yeah. he ended up not getting any emails back on stuff for things weren't getting done. It's like, Oh yeah. So, I mean, they, they quickly shelved that feature, but the internet had some fun with it. And, uh, oh no, my, yes. several years ago, um, GOG essentially pulled the site offline for a few days, um, as basically a prank. You're just like, yeah, no, that's it. Packing was up it shop, really it's all done. Really that long? I think it was, I think it was a few days. It, w- it was certainly longer than a few, it was certainly longer than a day. Um, but I just, I remember that, that sinking feeling in my stomach when I read that. I'm just like, what? No, like you were so young and so promising and <laughs> you hadn't had the Ultima games yet. And, and, <laughs> and because you, of course, that's how the priorities go. Well, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, Why else a, are we here? Yeah. And then a few days later they came back and it was all good again, but uh, just, yeah, not a good prank. Or maybe a really excellent prank that, you know, nobody got. I mean, it could, <laughs> could go either way, right? <laughs> so, 
that happened. It was a prank before its time. Mm-hmm. But since well, there's a I t-shirt mean, site I used to order off of a long time ago that did something similar and they're like, oh yeah, we're closing down shop. We don't want to do it anymore. So we all frantically rushed to get last minute t-shirts. And then when it was supposed to shut down, they're like, haha, just kidding. <sighs> yeah, that's that was a really bad marketing play. Twas like at least GOG just dropped it on us. You know, they're just like, yeah, we're closed. You know, so it wasn't so much a, it was a marketing thing in the sense that it was, you know, kind of designed, everybody was talking about GOG all of a sudden, but it's not like it was driving sales for them because they were just down and down hard. But, uh, but since then, I mean, I have been a little bit gun shy about it and, you know, it, it really kind of focused my thinking at any, it's just like, I mean, yeah, I'm buying all my games digitally. Like what happens if the activation servers turn off? Um, And this is actually more of a concern I have with Steam because I know with Steam's DRM, it's like, it's about a two week timeout. So, you know, if I haven't uh, logged a game in for more than a couple of weeks, it needs to re-authenticate. And I've been caught in the past, like, you know, sitting at LAX, this is another life ago, but sitting in LAX, not connected to Wi-Fi and thinking, I, you know what? I got a hankering to play me some Torchlight. I'm going to play me some Torchlight. And I try and launch Torchlight, and it's just like, I can't connect to Steam. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. I'm like, oh, yeah I've had crap. that happen. So um, that was very, uh, yeah, just little moments like that, kind of really illustrating the inherent fragility of the all-digital distribution methodology. And we've already lost, I believe, what is it, GameSpy, where for multiplayer went yeah. away a couple of years ago. That was a big deal so too. It's it, it can definitely happen. Yep. Um, well, and I mean, we've already seen it happen, right? Like, you know, the EFF, that was one of their big things. The Electronic Frontier Foundation, that was one of their big bugaboos over the last year was lobbying the Library of Congress to allow for special exemptions to the DMCA to, uh, you know, basically allow like museums to... <clears throat> develop workarounds to allow games for which the activation servers were offline uh, to be rendered functional again. Right. So. Yeah, I can't, I can't come up with any legitimate reason not to do that because there's all kinds of old games and, and even games now that like, if we tried to spin them up 10, 20 years from now and say, Oh yeah, I want to go back and I want to play mass effect three and Oh, the servers are offline for whatever reason I can't play it. Well, that's a bummer because in 10 years, who knows, maybe I'll want to play it again. <laughs> I just recently had that issue with uh, Bulletstorm on PC because I don't have my console version of it. And I go and I spin it up and it's like, oh, wait, Microsoft pulled down their Xbox on Windows or Windows Game Live or whatever. Oh, that's called. right. They did, All those they? servers are uh, gone. Yeah, exactly. That's con too. You can't do anything. <laughs> it's like. All right, I guess I can't play it. Just uninstall it and go on to a different FPS game. Right. They did do that, didn't they? Forgot about games for Windows Live. For yeah, as brief as that existed. Every game, and I don't know, some developers have, you know, patched around it and made their games, but then there's ones like Bulletstorm where they just, they never did it, never patched it. It's just sitting there going, nope, sorry. Microsoft screwed you over. Go yell at them. Yep. Um, yeah, unfortunately, I think I only ever bought one, maybe two games off of Games for Windows Live, and it was it was just a straight download, and that was it kind of game. 
Yeah, the other one I have is Dead Rising 2, but that one I haven't tried, but I heard it works still. So interesting. Um, and then of course, just thinking about there's two problems actually that face the mobile games. Um, the first, obviously, I mean, a lot of the, some don't need connectivity and actually Apple have uh, periodically, if you look at the iOS app store there, and actually too, now that I think about it, um, on Google play as well, uh, I sometimes notice sections, games that can be played offline, which is neat, right? Like, I mean, it's cool that that's being highlighted and sometimes those are games that I want to focus on. Um, but a lot of these games do require the ability to communicate back to a server because you know what? Copyright protection, DRM, these are issues on mobile as well, more on Android than iOS. But, um, and I mean, there's just a lot of connectivity features in the games like this Uncharted game that I've been playing for the last couple of days, right? Like it obviously wants to be able to sync with the developer's servers because some of what I do in the game, if I were also playing Uncharted 4 on a console, some of what I do in this little mobile game would get me bonuses or like new outfits in Uncharted 4. So, well, one big thing too with the mobile platform is the Asian market is so huge with it and with their easy ability to always be accessible to the internet, yeah. It's a big difference in America, but and I bet Europe is kind of the same thing with Asia as well. And so you get, you know, a lot of titles from developers that focus more on in those markets that are a lot stronger there that Americans are trying as well. And it just becomes an issue where it's like, oh, I have no connection here. Can't use it. Yeah. The point I was more driving toward was, well, I mean, partly the connectivity issue, right? Because yeah, some games, if they can't connect to the internet, they won't work. And that's just the end of it. But more... The two things I've seen is one, I mean, obviously at some point a game gets retired and in a lot of cases, mobile games get retired quickly. Um, Flappy Bird. Yep. <laughs> Flappy Bird. How many uh, people downloaded that I pride game myself in not being a part of that one. Because they had to have that game before it was pulled. Yeah. Well, and then it got really crazy because like the thing about it is Flappy Bird would run offline. So... Um, but of course it got pulled. So then people were like making a killing selling their iPod touches on eBay because they had Flappy Bird installed. And I had Flappy Bird profit, on it. Making a killer profit just selling Flappy Bird installed iOS devices. Um, same thing with like PT, really right? Mm -hmm. Something like PT the on the PlayStation. The whole issue of DRM with games, unlike GOG and other ones, where you just can't download it and easily have the installer stashed away somewhere is just amazing. I think that's the whole reason why consoles still are so physical is it's, it's that handing of stuff, you know, yeah. trading and whatnot. And there's no profit to be made there typically, unless you're talking about really old console games. The other issue that I've noticed on the mobile side, and this is actually becoming more of a thing on consoles because backwards compatibility has really become a, uh, a hot topic in the console community of late, but this is a really big problem on mobile again, because the games iterate so quickly or because developers just like they release a game and then it, you know, gets patched and updated for a little bit, but they just got to keep moving on to the next thing. The trends happen so quickly and developers have to, you know, move on to the next great thing so quickly on mobile that 
only the best of the best games tend to still be seeing updates a year after their release. And so, you know, you'll get all these games on mobile that um, they stop being patched, they stop being updated, they'll still work for a while, but then iOS or Android will see a significant version update that changes something in the API, and all of a sudden, well, that game just, it can't work anymore because it crashes, you know, something's changed in the OS. And now well, it's, it's like games like Candy Candy Crush that's so popular that keeps getting updates, but then similar ones just kind of slowly languish, die slay, very very slow, agonizing, painful death. Yep, and I kind of feel bad for them, but sometimes it's not so slow time, to death either. And part of me is like, well, the best games kind of should rise to the top and be those ones, but yeah, but it's Candy Crush, not the best games. <laughs> <laughs> Wishful thinking on my part of the best rising to the top. Yeah. Insert insert Kim Kardashian rant here. Thank you. I was waiting for that one to get thrown in. <laughs> yeah. Well, now it has been. But you see this on consoles too, right? Like and it wasn't you for once. Well, Yay. no. I mean, you know, now you all know to expect it, so... It's sort of like how on the other podcast, uh, my, my main co-host... Is he's very good now at prompting me to like you know mention our email and our Facebook group and stuff like that. Um, so you know, well, part people, of me would think some it. of those games do make it a little bit longer, purposely because of the marketing with mobile games versus PC and console. I mean, how many games do the four of us have on our phones or something where we're constantly bombarded with ads for really? bad games <laughs> bad. oh man yeah those are those are terrific every day probably i would think you know what the only app i have on my phone that really throws a lot of adverts for meh games at me is facebook um i mean i use yeah, weather true. underground but i mostly just look at the widgets so i don't see the ads uh and a lot of the other apps, oh, Twitter, Twitter does this sometimes too, if I use the official client, but if I use a third-party client, then it's not a big deal. So. Yeah, because I think of the five games I have, and four out of the five, every time I play it, there is at least one ad every so often throughout it. So if I'm sitting I, there playing for an hour, I may have five or six ads. I... Um, I have really strict rules about that with, with my apps. The only app I'll tolerate that with is the, uh, Pixlr photo editor. Um, but like, I mean, I remember playing Star Trek Trexels and I loved that game. It was fun. But mm, then one I day I one booted one. it up and it gave me a video ad and I'm just like, nope, click, delete, done, gone. You're dead. That's um, actually one of the ones I have that still does that. Yeah. I'm. It was a fun game, but no, you throw, especially video ads, you throw a video ad at me and you're basically off my device. Yep. I agree a hundred percent. So, um, unless you're like YouTube because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, video YouTube. ad on a video, I suppose makes sense, but yeah. for other things like even Spotify now does it, it drives me nuts because you try, you try to like click off of it. Like, okay, let me go pick what the next song is going to be. So when you're, you're done, it'll move on, but you're trying to like click off of the video ad and it's just, uh, yeah. Video ads are no go with me. 
Yep. I've unfortunately seen him as a necessary evil. I probably succumbed to what they want me to. Wait to <laughs> no, we lost Gollum. Uh, well. So, yeah, that's kind of, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the writing has been on the wall for sort of mainline PC, mainline physical PC distribution for a while now, obviously 92%, my gosh. But, um, and I guess in some respects, it's good that where physical continues to be a thing, it's in the editions of games that have the feelies and, you know, all the things that we really love. But, you know, by the same token, um, digital and it's those big headlining games, they're the ones that have the cult followings, you know, life yeah. is strange. Those who played that game and loved that game had to have that. They True. weren't bought a copy of the game. <laughs> Spending money the average person wouldn't spend, but it was worth it because it, it was such an amazing story. Indeed. <sighs> I'm still going to buy stuff on Steam and GOG. I mean, that's just how it's going to be. I don't have the shelf space for too many physical games. But you know what? To your point, Golem, I mean. We are dragons. We have hordes. <clears throat> yep. But there know, is that. To Golem's point, you know, when it's a game that I really like, yeah, I'm going to try and go out of my way to get a physical copy for sure. Yeah. That, that, yep. it, it's nice that companies are taking that still into consideration. It's very easy for them to go, hey, we can cut all these costs. We can make, my God, 30 plus billion dollars in just a year on PC alone. When we figure in all the hardware and everything else from one of the articles, it's a $90 billion industry. Why yeah. should they cater to physical sales for most of it when they don't need to anymore? Yeah. Yeah, the well, vast majority of the stuff I've bought recently is like, you know, Steam sales and things like that. And it's it's things I may or may not ever play. So in those cases, I don't care. But then there's always these odds and end ones that are like, man, it'd be really cool to have that box because that would look great next to all this other stuff. Or, you know, I'm willing to pay extra to get this box with some feelies inside. And like we were talking about the other day, I think I picked up um, the Ultima 7, 8, and 9 boxes because I've been trying to track down the Ultima 7 box for ages. Um, right. And those yeah, things those I really want, and I really want to have them up, you know, on a shelf somewhere, or the maps on the walls, whatever the case may be. Whereas another game that I'm probably maybe going to play and I spent $4 on, I'm not so concerned about. Exactly. <sighs> Part of me kind of wonders, did Destiny come with any physical goodies did it have a collector's edition you know like that at all because uh, if that's, that's one of those google games, search no the halo games they had collector's editions that had cool stuff a lot of other games on console i'm sure i've had that over the years i just for the life of me can't think of it bioshock i think had one like that um yeah destiny does seem to have had some collector's editions okay art books you know, if, and if a game doesn't have and... that kind of stuff and they purposely are avoiding it it's like well that would make sense why it's digital sales might go up so much but at the same time that was also one of those games where a lot of people bought it they really enjoyed it and their friends then quickly bought it and downloaded it so that they could all play together and that could be just a community type thing where it just grew because of that yeah 
It looks like Destiny had a few different physical editions. There was the Ghost Edition, uh, a Limited Edition. What's this? The Taken King Collector's Edition. So. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Anyways. Let's talk about happier things. Let's move on to some other news just before we wrap up. Um, Stuff that I saw in the news feeds. So there's a really neat little game called Kingdom of Loot, which is an MMO that um, draws visual inspiration from games like Secret of Mana and Chrono Trigger and is basically an exploration of what an online multiplayer experience would have looked like during the SNES area. Uh, SNES area. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's a 16-bit looking one. So, um, kind of a Color cute me looking game, actually. Intrigued. Well, there will be a link in the show notes for you there, Linguistic. Now all Excellent. we have to do is make it work on the SNES. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there's that, I suppose, too, right? Um, Maybe they'll make it an April Fool's joke like Blizzard does. Yeah, all I know is they had sprites when I saw the advertisement of it and the fact that it required Java still. And I was like, wow. <laughs> Not quite what I expected, but it was on my list. There you go. Um, you mentioned this actually a little bit earlier, Golem, but obviously uh, Final Fantasy X or Final Fantasy X and X2 HD remaster that came out on Steam a couple of three weeks ago. So, you know, you can play that on PC now, which actually brings most of the Final Fantasies to PC, um, which is kind of a historic landmark, really, if you think about it. Um, yeah, I miss my signed original PC one of Final Fantasy mm-hmm. VII. That was nice to have back in the day. I bet. Uh, what else is there? I flagged a game on GOG called Goliath. Now I'm seeing it's not getting the best reviews, but it seemed like an interesting premise. It's kind of a sandboxy game, um, you know, action adventure type thing where basically you build gigantic robots out of wood and whatever other materials you can harvest. So kind of looks like part RPG, part adventure game, part combat game, um, Interesting concept if, uh, although I guess the execution, yes, wooden robots, uh, I guess the execution maybe has left something to be desired and it's kind of got a neat cell shaded art style. So there'll be a link in the show notes. You know, those of you who are curious can wishlist it or check it out as you will. Uh, it still blows my mind. Wooden robots. I just, it, only thing I can think of is the Futurama episode of Bender converting himself to wood and that did not work out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, in the rumor mill, no man's There are sky. actual bugs oh. in the software because yes, they're yes. termites. Yes, exactly. And, and carpenter awesome. ants. Um, there was a rumor that I saw today that No Man's Sky, the uh, the sandbox space exploration game may be delayed. Um, the source is evidently a GameStop employee who saw some new marketing materials for the game and sent in a picture showing a sticker coming soon on the sticker, uh, covering up where the release date would have appeared. So I don't know. We'll see. That's one that's kind of been on my interest radar. I think I've alluded to it in a couple of other episodes before. Um, it seems like a fascinating premise, although you know, you got to wonder how well you can pull something like that off. Um, wouldn't necessarily surprise something that ambitious getting delayed. 
maybe more interesting, uh, I know Sergon Dragon has certainly talked about this uh, a little bit, Prey 2, which was kind of in development and kind of not in development. And then it was being developed by Arcane Studios and then supposedly it was canceled. Well, I guess there was an update made to the Prey 2 domain. And if you go to prey2.com, it leads to a currently inactive Facebook page. Um, I don't know what to make of that, but evidently some of the Prey fan sites are, you know, thinking this could maybe be a lead in to something at E3. I guess we'll see. Um, certainly one site figures that there'll be an announcement that Arcane is back developing the game. So maybe more interesting is that, uh, the last guardian is evidently still coming out in 2016, still slated for launch in 2016. So, um, I don't know if any of y'all were interested in the last guardian, but this was by, oh gosh, I'm, I don't even know if I want to tempt his name, Fumito Ueda, um, who was also the director of, got to remind myself here, uh, Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. So this is kind of his follow-up game. That's to what I was thinking of. Okay, yeah. I, I, the name rang a bell and I was like, which game was it that came before that? Oh yeah, Shadow of the Colossus. Okay. Yeah. So evidently The Last Guardian is still in development and is slated to launch for PS4 sometime in 2016. Um, it's evidently been hotly anticipated. So, A friend of mine was really into Shadow of the Colossus, but I never played it. So I, the concept was interesting though, where there was no there was no enemies. There were just boss fights and you just basically had to run around and find them. Yeah. No, it's see, I, I heard a lot of good things about the game. I'm obviously not being a PS4 owner or a PS3 at the time, I guess owner. Um, didn't really PS2 actually. Was it a PS2 game? Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. My PS2 and PS3, I had it and it worked in the old one until I upgraded and didn't realize, Oh, backwards compatibility didn't work. So I still have a Shadow of Colossus somewhere, I think. <sighs> well, I won't be playing it either way. Um, I'll probably be working through Titan Quest this week. Try and find that hoe of destruction. <laughs> awesome. Oh, Ian. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if you were following the discussion in the uh, Facebook group, but someone posted a link to, you know, oh, hey, Titan Quest is out on, on mobile devices now on iOS at any rate. I think it's coming to Android at some point. And then I chipped in, oh, yeah, it's a good ARPG. Oh, and hey, Ian was a designer on that. And then Ian chipped in. He's just like, not only that, I hid a hoe of destruction and a set of Lazarus armor somewhere in the game. So now I got to find Excellent. That. Yeah. Now I gotta find. I that. think I have it. So I was I gonna say, well, this gives me reason to revisit it. Yep. So that will be that. All right. Well, if you like spam, 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 humbug, you can support us on Patreon. Uh, go to Patreon.com/slash/UltimaCodex, and you can chip in a little bit there. Um, a buck a month. Uh, gets you access to the episodes a day or sometimes two days when I say have a day at home and am out with my kids and forget to post stuff to Podbean. Uh, you get the episodes a little bit early is what I'm trying to say. But if the monthly thing isn't your thing, um, 
maybe you would just like to buy some games at GOG instead. Because of course you would. They have lots of great stuff there. So just um, either hit up the show notes for this episode or hit up the Ultima Codex, ultimacodex.com, and click on the GOG banner in the sidebar. You don't pay anything more for the games, but we get a little bit of commission for it, which helps keep uh, the Codex's hosting paid for, helps keep the podcast hosting paid for. Generally helpful like that. And failing that, we also accept moral support. Like Ultima on Facebook, facebook.com slash the Ultima series, or follow at Ultima Codex on Twitter. And if you want, you can join the Ultima community. Your gateway to that is udic.org. That's where you can pick a dragon name for yourself. You can also join the Ultima Dragons on Facebook or on Google+. There will be links in the show notes for both. You can follow at Ultima Dragons on Twitter. Like we were saying earlier, very excellent person running that account, really on the ball. There is a Slack group, although it's a little bit under traffic since we started the Discord group, which also exists. And if you're really feeling old school, you can also check out the Wearmount, which uh, will require a wonderful to access. But yes, which is, is wonderful and wonderfully old school. Finally... If you want to get in touch with us, you can send us an email, ultimacodex at gmail.com. You can leave us a voice message. Check the show notes for a link, but we actually do have a page at podcast.ultimacodex.com where you can record a 90-second message. And as long as you're not, like, insulting or rude, we'll probably try and work that into an episode as we go. And if you want, you can also join us. There's a Spam 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 Humbug Discord channel as well. We'd love to hear from you there. Just before we get into the final closing routine, um, Linguistic, you got any game recommendations for the week? Um, <laughs> considering I haven't played much this week, not particularly, not that I haven't mentioned before, but um, yeah, uh, everything I've mentioned on previous podcasts. How about you, Golem? I would definitely recommend the new Doom game from Bethesda. Really? That good, huh? Oh, Yeah. I have very much found how they did the gameplay and even the very basic story to just be a nice, clean, elegant design. Very hmm. much honors the old Doom games, except for Doom 3, because that one never happened. <laughs> At least in my opinion. Um but I'm already on my second playthrough and I am just loving every moment of it. Cool. Good to hear. How about you, Deathblade? Well, I haven't played a whole lot of new stuff recently. Um, mostly been playing Shroud when time allows and just started playing Bioshock again. Um, if I had to pick something, I'd probably say Fallout 4 just because I've been trying to get back into it, but haven't because of my save game got messed up and I had to start over and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to try something else, but it's fun. Anyway, I like it. All right. Well, for myself, um, I've mostly been playing on the mobile side. So my recommendations are kind of going to reflect that obviously Titan quest. Um, it's well worth picking up again and playing through again. It's really quite enjoyable. And if you don't want to get it on iOS, it's not particularly expensive on steam. So, uh, you know, grab it there, enjoy it, have some fun with it. And actually too, um, it's worth mentioning Grim Dawn is kind of the, <laughs> it's not a success, it's not a sequel, 
but it is sort of the follow-up game made with the same engine and by many of the same people. So that might be well worth checking out as well. Yeah, that's one I've actually put about 12 hours into, and it's <laughs> been a lot of fun as well. The voice acting's well done. I would say it's better than Diablo 3. Nice. Oh, oh, hey, cool. I do actually have a Titan Quest. Awesome. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, another another one on the mobile front, uh, Warp Shift. Definitely recommend checking that one out. It's not free. Uh, it's, it was about three ninety nine for me. So it's probably like two ninety nine in the U S but, um, fun little puzzler game, really, really charming graphics. Um, I actually picked it up primarily because I wanted my daughter to give it a try and I wound up enjoying it just as much as she did. So yeah. There oh, go. turns out I do in fact have a recommendation. Um, now that you've mentioned, um, mobile games. Lowlander, the uh, uh, less random version of Ultima 2. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is a good one. It's wonderful. It, I mean, it is like so anachronistic, but it is so wonderful. <laughs> yes. Really well done. Are you trying to tell me I need to put down Ultima 4, the SNES version, and play something else on my phone now? Maybe. No. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. Fair enough. But yes. All right. Well, where can we find you all online? Linguistic, where do you hide? Uh, you can find me at ultimajourneys.blogspot.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Dragon Katea, K-E-T-E-A. Um, you can also sometimes find me lurking about the um, the Facebook group or the Discord server. And on very rare occasions, you can find me poking about the Wearmount. <laughs> there you go. It was actually my first uh, my first um, experience with the dragon community, so I have very fond memories of it. Interesting. I learned something. How about you, Golem? Um, pretty much youtube.com slash the Golem Dragon. Um, Ultima Codex, otherwise. Um, still rebuilding a lot of stuff, including an old website. Fair enough art stuff and things like that. It's just none of that's up and live yet. Gotcha. How about yourself, Deathblade? Well, for me, I'm most, well, these days, the last few days, I'm mostly on the Discord server, but you can find me on Twitter at, uh, at Dark Squirrel, D-A-R-K-S-K-W-E-R-L. I'm also on Facebook and frequently in the UDIC group there as well. So that's mostly where you can find me, but I'm the last several days, I basically can't put my phone down with Discord, so you'll find me there most likely. <laughs> yeah, that's really taken off. I like that. That's uh, that's good. Yeah, we triple the size of the Slack group, so it's been growing quite well. I, I do kind of regret killing the Slack group or mortally wounding the Slack group. <laughs> I was never a part of it, so I can't really comment. But sorry about that. I do like where Discord, I like where Discord has gone. And well, I mean, well, Golem was the one who set up the Slack group. So long the last three days has been. We needed awesome. something different from IRC, and we had more people than our typical IRC one in Slack. And then we found a better platform. And yeah, so and just, then we have Discord. We're making like progress. <laughs> we haven't been making progress like this in a while. Very, very <laughs> a while. <laughs> We have more people than we've had in IRC for at least 10 years, I would yeah, say. definitely. Well, it's good chatter, too, it is. So, can't complain. 
Uh, of course, you can find me on Twitter at WTF underscore Dragon. I'm on Facebook, uh, of course, ultimacodex.com. I've got an about.me landing page, and you can find me, yeah, Slack, Discord. I'm pretty easy to find online. Um, there you go. All right. Well, ending it, we're ending it a little bit early, but it's still, you know, how, how long have we been going here? Well, we're still at an hour 30, so, um, but we're ending it on the sunny side of 11 p.m. my time. So thank you all <laughs> for, uh, for joining in. And thank you everyone for listening. And until next time, be virtuous. Be virtuous.